0: Welcome to The Parental Compass, presented by Family Education and Support Services. I am your host, Bobby Williams. We're excited about all the new people who have been subscribing to the show. You could be one of those people, you could. All you have to do is hit subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. We'll notify you every week when the next episode drops. Sometimes young people suffer from extreme depression anxiety, it can even become suicidal. There's a lot of ideas out there on how to deal with this, how to help them, how to offer support. But one idea that has been getting a lot of traction recently is therapeutic horse riding. Why? Why does this make a difference? Well, here to tell me why is Christy Dees. Christy is a therapeutic riding instructor and leads the nonprofit organization Heartstrides. You can learn more about them by going to heartstridestherapeutichorsemanship.com. I had never really thought much about this topic before, but it was a fascinating conversation. Let's check it out.
1: I had a child with a disability that needed physical therapy. She needed to learn to crawl. She didn't crawl. She scooted on her butt. So uh, I said, I'm not going to do it anymore. There's got to be a better way. And she said, get her on that horse, get her on a horse for therapy. And that cross lateral movement, when the horse walks, will give her what she would have gotten had she crawled. So I took her to a therapy session and it was pretty profound. She walked out with low tone, kind of head hanging, tongue hanging out of her mouth. They got her on the horse. It activated all that movement, right? All that really strong cross lateral movement, which she had to find muscle tone and her head came up, and she also started talking. The first words and consonant sounds she had that were really clear were on horseback.
0: What's that connection between the physical and the mental when it comes to therapeutic horse riding?
1: Well, they're big, right, and they're intimidating. So just by being in their presence, we can build courage. Um, they're also highly attuned and uh, responsive, so we can uh, teach. Uh, attunement and emotional regulation and connection and awareness um, so that we can build skills like resiliency, courage, trust, uh, what, what true connection means, which has to do with attunement to another person's mental, emotional, physical state.
0: So it's like you're teaching empathy through empathy. having a child empathize with a horse and they sort of need to empathize because if not that horse could squish them or something right mm-hmm. Wow! or
1: have a reaction that they are, are big reaction
0: i was talking with the guest a few weeks ago about cognitive resonance and yeah. the concept was that y- your emotions are putting out this energy and then other people can pick up and feel that energy and that's why things like panic can spread so quickly. But I imagine that ties into working with horses too, or animals can probably pick up on your energy.
1: Yeah, what we tell people, adults and children that we're working with, and I, I think this is pretty profound because when people hear it, it resonates with them deeply. That horses are concerned, what are your intentions? Will you keep me safe? And can you help me find a place of calm? Because if things aren't calm in the horse herd, the the danger is that somebody could die. It means there's a predator in the area. So they have affect contagion, just like you're talking about. If one of them panics, they're all going to panic. But what they will do, and here's another great lesson, they'll look to the leader, which i.e. would be your parent. They'll look to the leader and they'll say, should we all panic? Somebody's panicking. And if the leader is calm and says, yeah, I saw that. It's just a Bag waving in the wind or a tree moving, then the rest of the herd goes, Oh, okay, never mind. That wasn't a big deal because they look to the leader to see, Is it something we all need to be concerned about? Then they will turn around and help that dysregulated horse. The entire herd, along with the leadership, will try to help that horse re regulate because they don't want to have panic energy and anxiety attacks for no reason because they want to save that fight or flight energy for when they really need it. So We can learn from that piece about leadership. Leadership needs to be calm and level-headed. And that that term level-headed comes from horsemanship because level-headed, calm brains make better decisions.
0: Well, talking about being level-headed, I think one of the hardest things in life is just to regulate your emotions and to think of like, have your perspective be, okay, I am not my emotions. My emotions are signals that are trying to tell me something, but I can take a step back and realize like, this is not all consuming, this is not who I am. And I bet that ties into your work some too.
1: Yeah, we talk about emotional containment. So uh, even whether it's a negative, I hate to use the word negative, sorry, an uncomfortable emotion or a comfortable emotion, containment is a good thing. So if I'm angry and I blow my container, then of course I'm gonna trigger fear in the horse. But if I'm angry, and I honor that, and that's the thing that horses are so beautiful about, they ask us to honor what we're feeling, not lie to ourselves, Mm. not manipulate ourselves out of it, but to contain them and work with them. And there's a big metaphor there too in experiential learning, working with our emotions, because they can be big is like working with a horse, a big entity, we can't control it. Right? We can't, the more we try to control it, the more um, resistance we're going to get. Once again, that's not about control and domination. It's about working with. So, learning to work with our emotions in a regulated way and a contained way. Not that there aren't times that we can blow our container, but it has to be safe and appropriate. So, we can oh. really drive that home metaphorically and experientially, like. With big emotions like a big horse, the more you try to control it, the the scarier it actually gets, the more fear you evoke in a horse when you try to control. So, giving ourselves space and room, containment, honoring those emotions. And then we also teach both in parenting and with our youth that our emotions are messages, they're guides, they're there to help our lives. That's why we have to honor them and work with them and understand the messages behind them. And that allows us to live ethically by our value system.
0: Yeah. Not use our
1: emotions as excuses to abuse others or act inappropriately.
0: I think often the hardest person to be honest with can be yourself too.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like I like what you're saying about just acknowledging like, okay, I'm feeling angry. Like that doesn't mean I have to flip out and scream or something, but it's okay for me to feel that feeling. And and that's how you resolve feelings too, is working through them, not just kind of tucking it away or something how does how does this work help kids who might be suicidal
1: oh it's pretty powerful and i i my understanding of the science i had to study the science to get why is this working so well why are our suicide and self-harm out out, reduction outcomes so high well a couple things we know um emotional regulation is a big deal Right. Learn. That is one of the symptoms of suicidal idea, inability to work with emotions in a regulated way. So we we can teach that and work with that with horses. The other thing is that horses are so they're trustworthy. They don't lie. They're not conniving, manipulating, you know, strategizing. They can only reflect the energy and the life and the state around them and their own internal state. So they don't have any hidden agenda. So now we can create a safe relationship where maybe um, we've seen incongruency in humans and emotions Mm -hmm. used against us and all that stuff. Horses just wanna be safe. Like I said, what are your intentions? Will you keep me safe? Can you help me find a place of calm? So when we get to that state where we're actually owning our own biology, our reactive state versus our being able to calm and ground, we can form a a self-attunement to our own self, our own emotional state. When we get there, then the horse feels really safe with us and wants to bond. Those bonds are really important to them. They're social bonds, just like humans. We need healthy relationships, healthy bonds, especially if we've had unhealthy ones. If we've been damaged in relationship, we need to heal in safe relationships. So horses can create this authenticity, this honesty, this safe space with no agenda. And as soon as we start to feel a bond, we release oxytocin and serotonin, and so do they. And so we create this mutual cocktail of feel-good chemicals that maybe we've lost the ability to do, especially if there's substance abuse involved. Some of us, like me, have, and some of the youth have tried to use substances to get the feel good. Well, now we're teaching you how to do that with your own biology and your own neurochemical pathways to once again attune to your authentic self, your authentic state of being, and then the horse feels that, and then these strong bonding experiences release all those wonderful natural hormones that we would feel if we could have safe places and attuned um, relationships yeah does that make sense
0: no that makes total sense and it's like depression is often just feeling like you're really alone and people aren't you're not being heard or you're not connecting with people or you don't have community and you know we talk a lot about how protective factors are like having adults that just care about you unconditionally and how that can make such a difference even if it's someone in the community or a coach or something like that so that seems like it makes total sense you're sort of learning how to connect in a safe way with an animal and that's upfront about who they are and what they want that's awesome yeah
1: authentically and i i think i told you a story about that and i can reiterate so we had a youth that was in a gang and um he was um trying to walk up to one of our horses and he was all postured up like a tough guy and the horse's head was in the air and he was concerned and he was, you know, snorting and um, unable to calm down. Cause the energy was so, I don't know what the word would be aggressive, kind of predatory and postured and all the, everybody, all the other youth had connected with their horses. And this kid was standing back struggling. Oh, I'm all right. I'm all right. It's fine. And I mm-hmm. finally said, really, what's wrong? What, Where are you having trouble going up to that horse? And he's, he's, you know, released softened and said i'm actually really really scared so as soon as he did that and owned his authentic feeling instead of faking his way through something that horse dropped his head licked and chewed because the horse felt the release of the kid releasing and being honest with himself right and that that creates um release in our own bodies because when we deny emotion we they get stored in in intention in our bodies Mm -hmm. so as soon as he told the truth about being afraid He was able to approach that horse, and he formed a lasting bond. And he told us at the end of that year that that relationship had kept him from committing suicide. So a lot of his own behaviors had isolated him. Do you know? And his in his disconnection from his being able to own his true emotions and work with them in a healthy way. So that was pretty powerful for me. That was the first time I realized, wow, this kid just got rewarded for saying he's afraid and he probably lives in an environment where he can't admit fear.
0: I think the other piece of this is connecting with nature. We live in a world that's very disconnected from nature. We're in our phones, we're in our tablets. So I, my question is, why is it important to connect with nature? Like, why not just stay on the phone?
1: Technology in our heads, thinking, about everything is a left brain activity when we step out into nature and connect to our senses which horses ask us to do to literally come to our senses right and that mm-hmm. grounds us in our own body. that's we need presence in our own bodies M- movement where is our body in space am I moving we need movement we need presence we need attunement to our own selves. The other thing that we know is being in nature is a right brain activity it fosters creativity, problem solving in ways that the left brain doesn't. So being in nature and being in nature-based activities lights up the right side of the brain. And then if we add movement and that creates right left hemisphere connections. So now we've got more cross lateral brain stuff happening, which means I may come up with a solution to a problem that's been plaguing me for two weeks because I got present in my body, attuned to my emotions and my right brain, creative side, got lit up, and now all of a sudden, I can solve problems where I want to go, uh, draw a picture, write a book, uh, write write journal, something creative.
0: Do you but, think that the horses know that they're engaging in a therapeutic activity?
1: Yes, and I wish I could explain it. Um, it's going to sound esoteric, but I don't think that horses. Uh, are with us by mistake. I believe that we have co-evolved as a species. We we have co-evolved their involvement in the human uh, condition has allowed us to, before modern mechanized age, till fields, move to new continents, um, wage war, stabilize our food source, all kinds of amazing human endeavors. That we wouldn't have been able to accomplish without them uh, inter- intertwining with us. So we know that when we, when humans made contact with horses, they got taller and smarter. At some point, um, I think they probably sought us out for continu- you know, uh, reliable food sourcing and comfort and care. And so uh, we have definitely interfered in their breeding and and what characteristics you know we chose uh to pull out in the in their species and they definitely affected our species so there's something about co-evolution there that's pretty powerful
0: yeah well you think about it putting it like that probably the most important animal in human history
1: yeah and there's a saying saying um dog may be a man's best friend but the horse wrote history
0: yeah <laughs> what about dogs are they therapeutic in the same way or are they different
1: they're different. I think cats and dogs are different in that they're predators. Uh, so they hunt and eat meat. Horses are not. So humans are omnivores, which means we can eat meat. If we're hungry enough, we might eat our horse. So as a prey animal, it's pretty impressive that they, they want to be around us uh, and trust us. But that is part of the the trust building piece that a flight animal that, you know, wants to run at, at the slightest wave of a bush in the wind will actually learn to trust and connect with us and 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 we could i mean we could be hungry and want to eat them for dinner so i think they have more risk than we do in the relationship
0: <laughs> yeah totally horses do seem to just get skittish at like the smallest thing and you think like like you look at a horse's leg and it's like dang they are ripped and so it's interesting that they're so strong but also so skittish
1: well, and that's why they're still on this planet. You know, if they didn't know how to run like heck when something scared them, they'd all get eaten. So the fact that they know how to run and take care of themselves and take care of each other, that's the other piece. They're really uh, collectively and collaborative and community-based because without each other, they don't have as much of a chance of staying alive. So they have a real sense of community. We always tell the kids they would never form a clique right? The -hmm. community and diversity and everybody's strengths are celebrated and weaknesses are downplayed. Whereas in a clique, it's more like who can be the most alike? How can we look the most alike, dress the most alike, have the right this, the right that? Um, And horses would never do that. They they know they need diversity. They know they need strengths celebrated and everybody can rise to the best of their ability to take care of the herd. So- Mm -hmm. It's a more of a collective mindset, like I think humans used to have when we lived in more pastoral societies and moved around with our herds as food sourcing and taking care of each other. So the modern mechanized age has definitely added more levels of isolation in a lot of ways.
0: We have listeners from around the country and around the world. Are these programs everywhere? How does someone get involved in therapeutic horseback riding?
1: Oh, that's great or therapeutic horsemanship because it isn't always about riding. Um, There's a couple organizations. We, our organization is part of PATH International, which is Professional Association of Therapeutic Horsemanship. So that's where our training and our certification and our safety standards come from. People can go on their website and look and see if there's any PATH centers in their area. Not all of them offer uh, the same services, but they can look and see and probably make a phone call. The other organization that's well-known is called EGALA, which is Equine Growth and Learning Association. So they have a website as well and they can look on there. EGALA tends to be more of the mental health and the learning piece, whereas PATH tends to be more of the therapeutic writing, but they both have elements of both.
0: Hmm. Well, this was such an illuminating conversation. I feel like I've learned a lot about something I didn't really know about. So thank you for being here, Christy.
1: Thank you. You're a great interviewer, Bobby. So, And thank you for letting me uh, come on and talk about how this works. I think more people would um, appreciate knowing why it's so powerful. So sharing the magic of how this works. Thank you for letting us do that.
0: Thank you, Christy. I'm gonna come through and ride a horse in the near future, so be expecting me. This has been the Parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services. I'm Bobby Williams. We'll see you next week. Peace.